Hello and welcome to Fact Schmacks. It's the podcast good enough to get you a C. Minus. My name is Matt and I've got a story to tell. My name is Kev. I have a story to interrupt. Hey, Kevin. How are you? I am fantastic, sir. How are you today? Oh, I'm pretty good. That's good. I'm pretty good. Let's get right into it. We've got a lot to cover today. A lot. Give me those facts. Or schmacks. Okay. Which one is it? It's Fact Schmacks, the game everybody loves to play. And then when I say everybody, I mean mostly just you. Yeah. So we have to find a suitable transition to we're, off the start of our podcast. We're coming into the Christmas season. Uh, depending on when I schedule this, this might come out around Christmas. Let's talk about some Christmas movies. I like oh, Christmas great. movies. You like Christmas movies. Here's I actually loathe Christmas, having grown up in a family that was largely centered around retail. Here is your bonus <laughs> Christmas fact of the day. <laughs> Bad Santa, definitely not suitable children, <clears throat> is, uh, you know, the F word is used a total of 147 times in that movie. A lot of times. Yeah. In the Czech Republic, the movie translation is known as Santa is a pervert. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my favorite uh, Christmas movies. It's just so dark and off kilter. And like his character is hilarious. It's fantastic. Oh, and I, I have to think that you relate strongly to that boy. Oh yeah, Thurman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Factor schmacked, Matt. Ralphie yes. from A Christmas Story was also in Jim Carrey's The Grinch, playing the father of Cindy Lou Who. Oh, okay. Factor schmacked. All right. Yes. Gremlins is the first film to feature the iconic Amblin Entertainment logo. You know, you know the E.T. thing and, and all that. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Fact or schmacked, Matt. Yes. According to Macaulay Culkin, while rehearsing the scene where, oh, what's his name? Joe Pesci's character threatens to bite off Kevin McAllister's fingers. Pesci mm -hmm. actually bit. Calkin leaving a now uh, a scar that lasts to this day. Really? Yeah. So, wow. Okay. So those are three little so Christmas three movie here. facts. Three little Christmas. So we got um, that kid. Is it Bill Billingsley? Is that kid? I don't know. From uh, Ralphie. From a Christmas Story. Ralphie. He's he's in the Grinch. That's one of them. And then the second one, uh, we had Gremlins. Was the first movie first. to feature the Amblin Entertainment logo, right? Uh, famous Joe Dante movie. I don't know if it was Amblin Entertainment that was uh, involved in that. Interesting. And then the third one, uh, we had old Rabid Pesci, <laughs> biting Mike Tyson and Macaulay, <laughs> yeah. young Macaulay Culkin's finger, Just chewed it up and no. spit it out. Uh, so I I've heard that before. Okay. Uh, so I know that one to be to be a fact. Okay, that Joe Pesci did in fact bite that boy. <laughs> so, so it's whether the Gremlins had the Amblin Entertainment uh, logo, which is bizarre. It's bizarrely specific. Yeah. Uh, or uh, uh, the first one, which was 
that the kid Ralphie right I'm gonna go with the Ralphie one being wrong yeah that is a schmack he was actually an elf he did a cameo in, in elf Elf, oh cool. Not not like Elf he, like alien life form, like Elf like uh Yeah. 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 Uh the the Will Ferrell. Kind of a cheesy movie. thing, but it's you know, in the giving spirit of the season, I thought I would would feed you a little easy one there. Well that hey, there we go. That that was a lot of fun. Yeah. Right there. I enjoyed that quite a bit. It's, and it's funny to think of like something like Gremlins as a Christmas movie. Like it is. It is. It is. Yeah. It's like Die Hard. It absolutely is. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Obviously, that's just kind of cliche at this point. Yeah, but it's uh, true. But Gremlins is obviously a uh, Christmas movie. Yeah. The the story. I, mean, I just the the story that the girl gives is so funny, but then that the that they, you know, that what I'm talking about about her dad, uh, who who was dressed up as Santa and went down the chimney and died. And she has this like big sob story at the end about why she hates Christmas in gremlins. Do you remember this movie? Even no, no, no. Okay. Really. It's been a long time since I, I saw it when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I, anyways, the, in the second one, they, <coughs> they make fun of that. <coughs> in, oh my uh, God. in a great way. She has, Sorry. I can't even remember what, what her. Yeah. What the hell, man? <coughs> oh man, we're when here. Vape we're here doing back. a professional podcast uh, as a bunch of professionals, and this is what you know. This is how we get into character. <laughs> oh boy, am I ever in character now? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. If you ain't choking, you ain't token. <laughs> oh, brother! At noon on the fifth day, a locky adventurer swung in low when he spotted us. A young pilot. A lot younger than Mr. Hooper here, anyway. He spotted us, and a few hours later, a big old fat PBY come down and started picking us up. You know, that was the time I was most frightened. Waiting for my turn. I'll never put on a life jacket again. That is, of course, my terrible uh, uh, version of Quint from Jaws doing his very memorable uh, speech at the end of that movie. Maybe that's... uh, Maybe that's something that that will come up later in this episode or not. But uh, to start the story, I want to ask you a question, Kevin. Okay. I how like long questions. do you think? How long do you think you could just hang out in open water, like just you, a life jacket, maybe a couple buddies? Well, funny you ask. It yeah. Turns out that I'm pretty buoyant. I think <laughs> I'd float for quite a while. Well, you got a life jacket, but like, I mean, mentally, how long do you think you could hang on? Oh, in open water? Uh, about, yeah. About three minutes. <laughs> I hate open water. Yeah. Would you, do you think, like, even just trying to imagine this sort of scenario, do you think you you could hang on, you know, even if you've got a life jacket, do you think you could hang on until you died of thirst? No. I, I'll tell you right now, even in the shower, having the water on my face, I feel like I'm dying. I do not like water. So you don't like water. So you're, yeah. So this is going to make you feel real icky. Mm, probably. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the USS Indianapolis. Excuse me. Uh, which, if you've listened to our podcast, you know that, you know, Kevin and I have talked about, a little bit about this story before. 
I'm sorry. You know, this is one of those stories that Kevin, you know, is not going to be surprised by much of the details here, I don't think. I've been, anyway. I'm familiar with this story. Yeah. Uh, the USS Indianapolis, it was a Portland-class heavy cruiser. It's a boat. Uh, it was built in the year 1931. It's basically a gunship uh, with very light aircraft launching capability. It had two catapults it could la- launch seaplanes off of. Bet you didn't know that. I was unaware that it could uh, carry aircraft. Mm-hmm. Carried four aircraft. No kidding. Uh, reasonably lightly armored, even though it was a, considered a heavy cruiser. Um, but it was it was a scouting ship, basically. Uh, it could do a lot of, you know, it could deliver a lot of um, artillery, if, if need be. It had, if I, I don't have this in front of me, but it, it had anywhere from, you know, 13 to 20 guns on it. Uh, big guns. You know, picture that sort of ship. Your picture in the Indianapolis. Now, in the interwar period, it served as the flagship uh, of of Scouting Force One in the Pacific, which uh, went around did doing I don't know scouting force shit, scouting things. But importantly, uh, on December 7, 1941, the Indianapolis was doing a mock battle uh, and was uh, consequently not. At Pearl Harbor, when when that bombing happened, probably uh, good for actually, them. Good for them. Uh, in the immediate aftermath, they actually were went hunting for Japanese submarines. They didn't find them, but they were, you know, they're defending the home base after after the fact. Now, during World War II, the Indianapolis was involved in many campaigns and many battles. Too many to really go over here, and in any case. Those battles are not what the Indianapolis is remembered for. On July 16, 1945, the Indianapolis embarked on a secret mission. It was to carry enriched uranium and other bomb parts to Tinian Island, uh, which I might be saying wrong. No, that's, uh, where as far as I understand, that's correct. Uh, where they those that uranium and those pieces would be assembled into Little Boy, which would then be dropped on Hiroshima a few weeks later. <laughs> Remember uh, our nicknames? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a very inappropriate reaction you just had to that information. <laughs> In a previous episode, uh, we talked about the first two nuclear bombs that were dropped, Fat Man and Little Boy, and we determined that that's uh, very good nicknames for you know Matt and I. I'm just a little guy. Just a little uh, fellow. You're getting all grown up. Here's a fun fact. At the time the ship was doing that mission, it was carrying uh, half of the world's supply of uranium-235. Isn't that wild? <laughs> the other half... Wasn't that what they sunk? The in other that? half was in Los Alamos. Well, didn't... Probably. Didn't they have... Uh, no, maybe that was heavy water I'm thinking of in that uh, lake in... Denmark? Yes, where they <clears throat> they, had, they the Nazis had been refining water, uh, enriching it or whatever, making heavy water for yeah enriching uranium, but they never got they never got far enough. And then they had that their, yeah ferry that was supposed to take it was uh, sabotaged by the resistance. Yes. Why don't you just spend ten seconds talking about that while I don't or, smoke weed? <laughs> I thought we just talked about this being a professional podcast. 
I hope you don't hack Absolutely like is. I did. That was no, I'm that not was a, a fucking rank amateur. Unexpected. Yeah, no, you're not. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so this secret mission, uh, carrying these pieces of this bomb, such a consequential thing on the world stage and on history. This is not what the Indianapolis would be known for. Once that mission was completed, the Indianapolis was to continue on to Guam, uh, which it did. And uh, when it got to Guam, what it did was exchange the luckiest sailors on Earth for the unluckiest sailors on Earth. Some people got off that ship and some people got on. Uh, It left Guam on July 28th, headed towards the Philippines. At a quarter after midnight on July 30th, 1945, the Indianapolis was spotted by a Japanese submarine and hit with two torpedoes. Now, quarter after midnight, right? What do you think most people on that ship are doing at quarter after midnight? Uh, sleeping. Yep. For the vast majority, I want to try to you to just try to imagine what this would be like. And this isn't unique to the Indianapolis, but this is something that would have been, you know, particularly uh, um, bad in this case. Imagine what it would be like to be one of these hundreds of sailors uh, who would have been fast asleep and you wake up to an explosion. Uh, within seconds of the explosion, the ship, the, the ship is lilting. Most sailors, you get maybe a minute tops to figure out what's going on and get to where you need to be. See, fractured. This is why I would never want to be like in a ship. Yeah. Like, I I just, it's so claustrophobic to me. Yes. And I mean, they're trained for this. Like, the, you know, one of the major strengths of the, of the U.S. uh, uh, Navy is their ability to keep ships floating. So, one of their, you know, one of the things that U.S. Navy is best at is taking damage, or at least, at the, you know, during war. I guess I don't really know what it's like currently. Sure, I would assume roughly uh, the same. They're armored but, and they're compartmentalized, I believe, to allow for yeah. isolation of leaks so that you don't have uh, one hole sinking your whole ship. You can, you can close it off, which if you've ever seen anything where they've had to do that, <clears throat> that can be horrifying because sometimes you're, you're locking your friends in those decks. To die from. I'm glad you glad you mentioned that because that's what's happening in the first three minutes. Three Horrible. minutes from when you wake up, you're you're watching this yeah. happening. Maybe you're on the other side of one of those bulkheads that's being sealed off. But the ship goes down in 12 minutes, so it's not long before they even just stop trying to save it. Everybody get the hell off ship. The captain is unable to announce it because he doesn't have power. So he is literally shouting out the window (coughs) of the bridge to abandon ship. Um, Crewmen start jumping into the ocean as fast as they can. You know, one thing about about a sinking ship, particularly a ship that's that big, when it starts going down, it pulls everything in the area with it. Yeah, it creates almost like a vacuum on the water, right? Yeah. So you want to you want to get off that ship. If you have to abandon ship, you want to get off as early as you can and get as far away as you can as quick as you can. For so, sure. You know the, the the already think about this. 12 minutes 
within sorry within 12 minutes of waking up you're jumping off of a ship that's sinking horrifying that's crazy i could barely get dressed within 12 minutes of waking up yeah like could you imagine like, uh, that's like got to be the rudest awakening in history i actually have that in my <clears throat> notes rudest awakening in history oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um so hey can i pause the story for one sec to bring up uh an observation i've just made yeah you and i look like we could be before and after pictures of kevin smith right now (laughs) 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 tell me tell me you don't tell me you see that i just googled it and it's so uncanny right now it's nice to know that while i'm telling this very serious story (laughs) With your hat backwards, glasses, and a mustache, it's like I, I couldn't not see it. Okay. Sorry. I hate you, but okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm before when he was ready to like have a heart attack. <laughs> so to maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe a joke's the best way to get into this. One of the accounts that I read of people jumping off this ship is of seeing people jumping once it was almost like vertical in the water or on its way anyways, and they're jumping off and getting fucking hit by the propeller and launched into the stratosphere. No. Uh, really? Yeah. People have jumped off, got hit by the propellers. People Dude, were too late getting worst. off and got sunk under or got sucked under. Um, Could you imagine... You've gotten off the ship, and now you're launched into the fucking stratosphere by the propeller. Can you imagine just seeing that? Oh, my God. I read a lot of, like, war memoirs and stuff, like true history. And I'm always struck by how awful the things that happen around these people are. Like, shit that happens around them, sometimes on, like, a daily basis. Yeah. It's something you will never see and you never want to see. And they'll see it, like... Hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, of the twelve hundred men aboard the ship, roughly a quarter of them, so three hundred, uh, did not make it off the ship, uh, either because they were injured or sealed on a doomed deck or killed in the explosion or otherwise unable to escape. Of those who were lost, these are the lucky ones. This horrific loss of life, though. That's not what the Indianapolis is remembered for either. Now, let's say you're one of the lucky ones to make it off of the ship. Again, just going to take a moment and sum up the last 15 minutes of your life. You've gone from being in a dead sleep, being woken up by an explosion. You've made a panicky escape from a sinking ship. You're seeing and hearing people die around you. 12 minutes ago, peaceful sleep. Now you're covered in oil, which is what happens anytime a ship goes down. There's right. an unbelievable amount of oil that coats the ocean and it floats on top. And you go in that water, you come out covered in the stuff. You're covered in oil and you're floating in the middle of the ocean. At night. That is potentially, at night, that is, as you said, potentially the rudest wake-up call in history. You've already lived through one kind of a nightmare. Surely those sailors thought that they're going to be rescued soon. In order to increase the odds of survival, they they band together in groups. 
There's a few inflatable life rafts. They get the people who can't swim because there are sailors who can't swim. Absolutely. If you believe that. I 100% uh, believe that. Absolutely. They they go from Iowa to a ship. Like, you know, there's no water in between, basically. <laughs> They've gone from land to ship. It, it, that makes sense in my head. Um, so they they've also have a few floating cargo nets that they found. They managed to get a few people on those. For the most part, though, you either found a piece of debris and you hung on to it, or you lock arms with a few other dudes and you're just relying <clears throat> on your life jackets I, to keep you floating. I have an interesting um, thing that I learned about from the Indianapolis about what some of the guys who didn't have floating things did. Would you like to hear it now? Yes, I absolutely would. They would take their pants off, tie no the kidding. legs into a knot, and then scoop like the waist up into the air and then pull yeah. it down and hold the air into it and that's how they would float okay uh an improvised flotation device yeah isn't that nifty well, that's, that is nifty i could save clutter. somebody's life just knowing that just knowing that just knowing that, that you could use your pants as a flotation device i'm curious we should myth bust this in like a special i saw that on twitter the other day uh, I didn't investigate it. I did see that you have to keep the pants wet. Apparently, oh, to keep working. You actually saw that. Isn't that weird? That, that weird. came up. Synergy. Mm, strange. Yeah. Now, you'd think a ship that size goes down, rescue's coming soon. Somebody's going to notice, right? Mm, that's the thing, though. They didn't report back then. Well, they actually sent out an SOS. Oh, they did? Yep. I didn't know that. They sent out an SOS, uh, and they knew they'd send out an SOS, so they're floating in the water thinking, uh, hey, maybe 12 hours were in the water, like, at most. They had no way of knowing that it would be roughly 82 hours until anybody even knew they were missing. Oof. We'll get back to that later. <clears throat> For. 82 hours, though. That's, uh, that's like these men, four days. Yeah. These men drifted in the ocean. Like, can you fucking imagine? Imagine the first full day passing. You get to that second, you get to midnight of that second night. How thirsty and hungry are you after oh, that yeah. first full Have you day? ever been, like, go to the beach for the day, and then you come home, and you're just like, man, I'm so hungry. <clears throat> and then you're like, you eat a bunch, have drink a bunch. Like, swimming takes a lot out of you. Yes. Like, just being in the water. Yes. Um, floating in the South Pacific Ocean, you're getting absolutely baked by the sun every, all day. Yeah. You're surrounded by water that you can't to drink while you're dying of thirst. That's the worst part. And guys would try to drink it too. Yeah. You they'd you go they'd crazy. Lose it. Yeah. Yeah. How long do you think you're hanging on in that scenario? Oh buddy, I uh I mean I've already lost my mind. Probably come back to grips <laughs> with things. <clears throat> Probably lost my mind again. Um yeah, I think I'm I'm basically at that point just uh holding on not to die. Three full fucking days. It's estimated that about four hundred men died either 
you know, because they were injured by the time they got into the sea and there was only so long they were going to last or they drowned or they gave up. Some men attacked their friends. They got, you know, delusional and they started lashing out. Some tried to swim down to the wreck to get supplies. They got so thirsty or so hungry they thought they could make it and, you know, presumably drowned Uh. or something else got them and we'll get to that that's like that to me is the most desperate move that you think you're gonna swim down like you know that you only have two minutes hundreds of of feet if you're in good shape you have like two minutes of air maybe they're not in good shape yeah Yeah. none of them are these are like 1940s living on a diesel boat sucking in that diesel exhaust probably hacking darts all the time i mean they're all like young dudes well here's Here's another thing. They're all between what? Like the oldest of them, the officer class is a little older, but most of them are 18 to 25. So young, man. Holy fuck. Do you remember being that old and you thought you were old? You were like, man, I'm like 23. I'm basically a a full ass grown up. (laughs) Now I talk to people who are in their (laughs) early 20s and I'm like, Jesus, you still talk about what you want to be when you grow up. I've lost all hope. (laughs) We are not the same. <laughs> uh, no, I, good, good for them. Some of them will even, you know, some will even, will even find it. Um, this is already, you know, four hundred people die because of this before they they get out. Some of them start to swim towards imaginary land that they think they can see. Man, for three days, I can't even imagine. This, that, what I, everything that I've just talked about, none of that is what the Indianapolis is really remembered for. And here's where we're going to get into the part, the thing that the Indianapolis is really remembered for. I'm going to let the listener in, unless you already know, because a lot of you probably do. These men were not alone in the water. Swimming under and around and in between them were dozens and dozens of sharks. Tiger sharks, which can get up to 16 feet long, and ocean white tip sharks. They're a little smaller, but not by much, a couple feet, you know, shorter. I don't know that I'm that much less afraid of a 10 foot shark than a 16 foot shark. Sure. Um, first, the sharks started eating the dead bodies. Big wreck like that. A lot of blood in the water attracts the sharks. They start eating the dead bodies. And then then they started taking the people who were drowning, the people who were wounded. You know, do you count those as shark attacks? If a shark takes somebody who's very recently drowned? Uh, I don't know. Sharks attacking humans are, it's rare, right? Usually they're a little scared of us. We don't move quite right. But if they sing or sit around long enough, and after they've gotten maybe a bit of a taste of human flesh from from all those dead bodies, well, the attack started. The men who had banded together were f- floating in water. They got the worst of it. All they could really do was kick up a fuss, bang on the water, try and scare the shark off. <sighs> And sometimes it worked, and sometimes sometimes it didn't. Um, there is 
This was I heard this on the um, if you listen to the, Dan Carlin's got a good episode on this where he just kind of goes through how many you know a, a lot of uh, the nightmares. But there was a quote that really stuck with me. It was story of one sailor talking to another. You know, as they woke up, they're not woke up, but as the, as morning came, and you know, one sailor was saying that as as the light came out, he saw the sharks for the first time. He go into the water. At night, and you don't know they're there. And it was in the morning that they realized that they're surrounded by sharks. And he turned to one of the sailors next to him, a Marine, I think. Maybe not. I I actually listened to a ton of interviews to try and get a feel for what this was like, and it was horrible. Um, He turned the guy close to him, and he said, I didn't realize there was all these sharks there. And the guy said something to the effect of, you don't know what fear is. I've been walking on them all night. It's just, <laughs> oh my god, that's can you? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I can't, man. Like, we'll go fishing, and like sometimes I'm just like even too squeamish to touch the fish. <clears throat> you know, that's one of the things that yeah. creeps me out about open waters. I'm like, what's swimming around my feet? Yeah, and like it's just right? kind like of that guy queasy... wouldn't have known either. <clears throat> he would have realized. <laughs> When it caught light that it's been sharks, too. Ugh. Oh, man. Uh, there's Terrible. more than one account out there of sailors, and this is actually in that Jaws monologue. Uh, he references this. Um, you know, guys trying to wake up a buddy who they think is sleeping, and the guy starts bobbing all weird because there's just fucking nothing of him below the waist. He's been eaten. Ugh. You know? Like, just sitting there, he was eaten in his sleep or whatever. Fucking horror show. Um, some people, you know, when they gave up, they would just swim out a few feet, and the sharks would get you. You know, once you were alone, you're guaranteed gone. Yeah. Uh, that's a bad way to end it. Death, (laughs) suicide by shark. Like, fuck me, man. That's insane. I guess if you want to go. You're leading them away from the group. I don't know. You yeah, think you're maybe doing something it's a, like, altruistic? Falling on the grenade kind of thing. You're gonna feed some sharks so they don't. I don't know. So uh, sailors, you know, in their recounting, talk about the absolute blood curdling screams they would hear when a shark just did just decide to go for somebody. Though horrible, horrible. It's a nightmare. That's pure nightmare. Think about. Fuel. Think about all the separate disasters that these people have been in. Oh, yeah. Like, your likelihood of being in in a shipwreck, uh, floating at sea, being lost at sea, um, being attacked by sharks. Those are all individual nightmares. Individual nightmares, yes. Compounded. Tip to taint, this whole thing is just nightmare after nightmare after nightmare. Yeah. Um. Like the PTSD you would have after this. Could I I can't even I couldn't well like, put a, would, try to remember that for for about ten minutes from now. Let's just get this get to the end of this because it is it, we could just dwell on how awful this was to begin with. You could imagine up to hundred and twenty five people were eaten by sharks. That's yeah. the that's the big estimate. Um a lot of people got eaten by sharks. At 10.25 on August 2nd, 
three days after this started, they're spotted by a regular patrol. Nobody ever figured out that that ship was missing before they were rescued. That's with them sending out an SOS. So, so wrap your mind around that. Again, we're going to talk about that. Okay. Because I know when about the, this. When the plane lands among these 300 soldiers that are left, pilot has to ask them who the hell they are. He has no idea. He's, they're not looking for anybody. They just saw these people floating. 1,200 men set sail from Guam. 900 made it into the water. From those 900, 316 men are pulled out. Jesus. Two of them died from their injuries days later. How the hell does that happen? With them sending out. So there must be, even though it's like a warm Pacific Ocean, exposure is going to take a lot of them. You're still going to get hypo. You could still get hypothermic. Sorry. Yeah, no, I wasn't talking about how many. Uh, uh, I can understand how that many people died. I mean, how did how did it how did nobody know? Oh, let me fill you in on this. I got this. <clears throat> I'll take a stab at it here. Please do. So, part of the, um, uh, I guess the uh, modus operandi back in the day uh, for operational security. F- in maritime was that they didn't report the comings and goings of ships because if spies got a hold of that they would have it would you know give too much information so nobody really <clears throat> knew when these guys left or when they should arrive or maybe they ha- they might have had an arrival day but uh like so they were supposed to report back or something there was i thought there was supposed to be some kind of way that they would acknowledge that they'd re- returned made it to where they were going. But typically, none of this was reported uh, abroad. Yeah, uh, you're not that... You're really not that far off. Um, there was an SOS sent, and it was declassified documents show that uh, it was received by at least three bases in the area. Uh, and they all didn't respond for various not super great reasons. Uh, one of them had a drunk commander. Another, uh, the commander was allegedly involved in a card game and had ordered that he not be bothered. And a third thought it was a Japanese ploy. So three people got their distress signal, did nothing about it. Now, you would think, though, the ship had a plan. It was supposed to be somewhere. It was going to be in the Philippines for training. It had a scheduled day it was supposed to arrive. Yeah, it wasn't a secret plan. The, the, you know, a, a, a kind of misunderstanding about this story is that because it had just been on a secret mission, nobody knew where the ship was or where it was supposed to be. That wasn't the case. It was going for training. It had just left Guam to exchange soldiers. It was doing a very routine thing. In the day... They, you are correct. They didn't relay their positions all the time uh, for operational security or, you know, probably also because that seemed like a big pain in the ass. I kind of get it. Um, and But they just assumed that if a boat of this size didn't arrive where it was supposed to, people would notice. But in a weird way, 
the opposite happened. Because it was a boat that big, it did have a certain amount of autonomy, and there is also a chance that it had just been intercepted with new orders. So when it didn't arrive in its station, nobody thought it was weird because ah, it could be doing something. Yeah, and fair nobody enough. heard that it had, and nobody would expect to hear about it because you're not in. If right. you don't need to know, you don't know. So even though it didn't arrive when it was supposed to, uh, nobody raised the the red flag. Nobody followed up on it uh, like they should have. It was a huge failure. Uh, like that's not like you know podcast? sometimes when people. <laughs> Sometimes when people explain the way things happened, it can seem like that's like saying, and that's like a good reason why. No, that was a huge failure. It was a total disaster, and it made them realize that the way they did things was super wrong. It's one of the reasons that now ships relay their position all the time. Uh, you know, It's one of the worst the, maritime disasters in U.S. history, if I understand correctly. Yes. If not the worst. And, and it's made so much worse that it would, would have been so preventable. You know, and it, it was so preventable. Yeah. Right? How long did it take for the sharks to start attacking people, though? Uh, I think it, like, t- t- it took a while for them to start actually attacking healthy, like, people. Right. I, I believe. You know... Here's a weird detail about how long these people and these sharks were kind of coexisting. One of the sailors came up with a name for a big one. He called it Oscar. Uh, and he, he had a little pen knife, a two-inch blade. And one time when it attacked, he stabbed it. He got the pen knife an inch thick and an inch deep in it, and it didn't do anything. Uh, but he was very mad, and he wanted to kill that shark, Oscar. And he didn't. But, like... Didn't he stab it? You spend so long... You, What's that? He, he was trying. I guess if you stabbed him in the eye, <coughs> I, guess I would. That's where I would try like, to stab. If a shark attacks you, if you go for its eyes or you punch it in its eyes or the snout or something, it's supposed to be pretty painful for the shark. I mean, the eyes, obviously. But I know that's one yeah. of those things that they say: if you're ever attacked by a shark, go for the eyes, go for the nose. Spe- something yeah. specifically about the nose is supposed to be pretty. You can punch him in the nose, and they'll fuck off. Allegedly. As a Canadian, I feel like I can pretty safely disregard any shark attack <laughs> advice I get. <laughs> the biggest body of water I swim in is Lake Huron of the Great Lakes, and there are no sharks in the Great Lakes that I know of. And when there are sharks in the Great Lakes, I will come and swim in your new pool. <laughs> <laughs> which is quite Speaking lovely, Speaking of which, I... <laughs> why, thank you. Uh, we, we just had a just wrapped up construction and it feels like really ostentatious to talk about it all, but we've been working our asses off for years to try and make this happen. Uh, and uh, so I jumped in in late November and it was so fucking cold. Yeah. But I felt very good about it. But so going, um, speaking of that, uh, I imagine that the waters of the Pacific have to be pretty damn cold still. It's an ocean. Like, so you would be. What's yeah, the water temperature? Be, I mean, I do not know this information. Off probably the wasn't as cold as your pool, but I mean, anything underneath the body's temperature, technically, well, maybe not, would feel cold. And especially if you're getting roasted at the top, I don't know. Also, they lasted a long time without water, uh, 
they did have they were able to find like some spam and some sardines and stuff. You'd get some water from that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if the, being surrounded by salt water would increase your thirst or decrease your well. If you get any in your of mouth, hydration, you're getting salt, right? Like if you are talking and get water splashed in your mouth, you're getting like salty. Like that would dehydrate you. The more <clears throat> that's I, one of the I traps of like, salt water. Well, yeah, no, I know, but I more meant um, like being surrounded by it. Would that affect how much water you lose? Like, would you oh, stay yeah. internally hydrated longer uh, because you're surrounded by salt water? I, that's a good question. I don't know. Because, yeah, you're only supposed to be that. able to survive like three days without water, right? Yeah. So they were, I mean, they're right on the edge at that point. Sure. They would have, having some spam would have helped. There's some water in spam. So I don't know how much spam they had to go around. Whatever floated up, I guess. Um, but yeah, nobody, you know, nobody who is drunk or who is doing a card game or who, you know, ignored their the uh, SOS because they thought it was a, a Japanese ploy. None of them were held responsible. But you, do you know who was held responsible for what happened? Yeah, I do. And I know why they held him responsible. It was the captain of the ship and they held him responsible because they said he wasn't zigzagging through enemy territory. So they would zigzag yes. to make them harder targets to hit by the uh, submarines. And I can't remember, like, he wasn't zigzagging. He wasn't. He also wasn't told there was a Japanese sub operating in the area. He would also... But it was wartime. It was wartime. So I guess you can... So assuming that maybe there was, he requested some destroyers. He was denied that. So destroyers were typically uh, sub sweepers. So they would go out ahead and sweep for subs. He was denied the destroyers to do that. He didn't zigzag. However, the um, it wouldn't have mattered. His zigzagging would not have. You know, it was it was proven after the fact. Well, we will get to that in a, in just a few minutes. It wouldn't have mattered whether whether he zigzagged or not. Those torpedoes you know that, that the Japanese sub use are some of the best torpedoes ever made, is from what I understand. Yeah. Now, while he was court-martialed and he was he was held responsible for not zigzagging, um, the sailors who were on the ship, however, who survived, they generally they they thought that he had done as much as he could and that he had been set up to fail by by command more than anything. The family members, the people who died, though, they didn't necessarily feel the same way. Uh, every Christmas, he would receive postcards with messages messages like, and this is a real one, Merry Christmas, our holidays would be a lot merrier if you hadn't killed my son. He kept all these messages, too, until he committed suicide at the age of 70. Yeah, that's like his tragic story. How, how long can you hang on is the central theme of this episode. How long could you hang on in that water, and how long could you hang around, hang on with with those kind of memories after the fact. Yeah. Look at you for the people in command, I can't even imagine what that would have been like. McVeigh was posthumously cleared, though, uh, to put a, uh, maybe a slightly happier bow on it when a sixth-grade boy named Hunter Scott was researching it for a school project and decided that it wasn't right, that he was held responsible. 
uh, through a long and convoluted series of events, this eventually wound up being something that Congress voted on. And they, they passed a, an official act to Congress that said this guy had done no wrong. Um, President Clinton's remarks noted that while the U.S. had lost hundreds of ships during World War II, only McVeigh had been court-martialed for the sinking of his. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> that's a little... That's a little um when you put it like that, you know, hundreds of ships were lost and only one person was ever held responsible like that. Yeah. And I mean, the uh, the commander of the of the Japanese submarine said that it would not have mattered if they were zigzagging. Um, somebody who analyzed it in this in, you know, around the time where he was being uh, uh, exonerated you know, kind of made a very, the very successful case that, yeah, zigzagging wouldn't have mattered. He would have got hit. They would have got hit by at least one of those torpedoes regardless. Right. Now, I don't know the details of that. That's a level of research that I just don't Yeah, do. this is fact schmacks, man. It's okay. But that's the, um, that's the horrible, horrible story of the USS Indianapolis. It's, um, it's so funny. Like when you, when you delve into the stories, particularly from that era, or like any kind of uh say combat zone there's there's such a fringe um human experience that occurs yeah in those it's the uh, extremes of the environments the human where experience. you just it, and and it ruins fiction like that story ruins fiction you can yeah. imagine a thing as horrible as what these guys went through i like that's you know, like it, a Dan Carlin talks about this a lot. You know, what's the worst time and place to be in all of history? And that's that has to be one of two or three that I can think of. I can't imagine much worse. Yeah. Anybody listening There's maybe who been doesn't people know who have Dan been Carlin, like, uh hardcore history, Dan Carlin yeah. podcast, excellent stuff. Uh check it out. If yeah, <laughs> If you're listening to us and you don't know about him, holy shit, I'm glad I told you about him. Yeah, that but might be the best thing you ever get from our show is to go to this other show and get actual well-researched. But uh, but that's what our show is. We're we're a trailhead. Like, you've said that before. Like, we're going to have a little bit of fun with a story. We're going to tell it from a thousand-foot view. And hopefully it uh, inspires you to go learn more. Mm-hmm. Uh but you were saying about Dan Carlin before I interrupted, which which is my job, by the way, so I'm not apologizing. Oh, just yeah, I, I bet <laughs> he's he's got a great op- episode on this. I've you know I've uh, taken a lot from him. I don't remember specifically what I was. Oh, just this whole like yeah, what's the worst time time and place to be in history? And, and that's that I think is it has to be one of them. There's people who I think you know you could there, maybe there's people who have been you know, tortured in horrible ways where you could think like, yes, maybe this one person has been through something more extreme than that. But I, I don't even know. Well, the psychological torture of of um, dying of thirst while you're surrounded of, with water. I'm sure at individually the same time there's worse stories, swirling. but for this many people, um, and in the, especially in this particular theater, um, that's got to be, you know, one of the worst ways. It's not like you're going in it's, combat. You're not. It's not some kind of, you know, execution yeah. or anything. It's like this prolonged 
it's it, I think it, the only thing that would be comparable at that time to something like this would be like the Holocaust, which would have been uh, I think infinitely more horrifying because instead of sharks, yeah. you have Nazis, and Nazis killed way more people than sharks. That is true. That is true. Right. Uh, Just bloodthirsty. A little uh, little peek behind the curtain here. This do- and this is something that doesn't usually happen. Usually, uh, I very much pride myself, or this this podcast, and the fact that like when I'm talking about it, this is the first Kevin has heard about generally anything uh, that I'm talking about. I'll try to just he goes in completely. Yeah, fresh. I like to not know. I specifically say, don't tell me what it's about. I don't want to know. Yes, for your uh, benefit, it- <laughs> listener. Today we had a we had a short conversation on the phone before we recorded, and I just said, "Yeah, this is what we're going to be doing." And if you're listening to this and you know the story, I'm you know the way I told it, I'm sure you were like, "Yes, and the sharks, and the sharks, and the sharks the whole time," because that's like the big thing. I wanted to make sure to kind of hammer home how horrible everything else was leading up to it. Yeah, you, you know the the I, we were talking on the phone. I said the the sharks are like the the shit cherry on a shit Sunday. Actually, you discussed that at the beginning of the podcast. I can recite our whole conversation. Oh, okay. You ready for this? So I pick up the phone and I'm like, yeah. And Matt's like, (laughs) yeah, because that's what we do when we talk. And then he's like, "Mm, hey, listen. And I'm like, okay, what's up? Mm, Today on the uh, show, I'm going to tell you what the show's about. I want you to know. And I was like, yeah, okay. Mm, It's the Indianapolis. And I was like. Okay, cool. And you're like, yeah, just wanted you to know. Mm, bye. That's how brief our conversation was. You could have just okay. told me at the beginning of the Discord call. I just wanted to do an impression of you because it makes me happy whenever I do it. It makes me feel you have had, closer to you. So you really missed out on the opportunity to, to say. And then he said, mm, don't, mention the sh- don't mention the sharks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm, don't bring up the sharks. I want to bring up the sharks on my own. <laughs> mm, sharks is not the focus of the episode. <laughs> but it really is. I really wanted to emphasize the, out, I think I said, out of the frying pan, into the fire, out of a fire, into like an active volcano. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely. Just, Get so it's situations that you think couldn't get worse, getting worse and compounding. I mean, just unbelievable. Let's let's begin like just to sum it up. First of all, you're ripped away from your family, sent off to war. Then you're you spend your whole life in the unknown, waiting for the moment when a fucking sub torpedoes you, fires an explosive to sink you. That explosive blows up killing a lot of your friends, sinking you, throwing you into the water where you're covered in fucking oil. Probably a lot of it might have been burning at the time, too. Mm-hmm. So you're basically floating around like a, you know, a little fire starter. It's horrifying. Yep. All it takes is for one little lick of fire to hit that slick that you went in and you're gone. Yep. Then you're drowning. You're wounded. Yep. You're hearing everybody die around you. There are people who are floating around you who just, by virtue of escaping, have horrific injuries. Yeah. You see somebody launch. That's the thing where I'm like, launch by the propeller. Oh, my God. That's horrifying. 
shows you how quick it went too because to do it (laughs) oh yeah for sure and then you're you're uh exposed to freezing water you got to float in so you need to burn calories for that you got no food no water and then and then sharks yeah like that's crazy that's insane that is crazy yeah wow that's an interesting (laughs) interesting story and uh you know you hear it quoted in jaws and stuff like you had quoted and that yeah that speech from quint uh in jaws is amazing uh fun you know i looked into the to it because the it is it is true that robert shaw rewrote it but what happened was spielberg was writing or had the script he sent it to a friend of his who was a screenwriter and a history buff who wrote like a 10 minute long soliloquy about this and then robert shaw got it and he rewrote it using that material down to about five minutes or or however long it was um so it was it was spielberg described it as like you know robert shaw via this guy via this other guy but yeah amazing performance uh uh you know and the fact that it's just it's true is crazy they actually had um, it wasn't on the fifth day it was on the There was like a movie about the USS Indianapolis I remember watching as a kid. I don't know if it was a made for TV movie or something, but or if it was an older movie, but it was it was I remember watching it with my dad and I was like, Did that really happen? And my dad's like, Yeah, it was horrifying. Like it's a horrible thing. Well, all right. Well, that's fucking crazy. So three hundred and sixteen out of twelve hundred. Yeah. And I mean ships go down and you know, nobody makes it. Sure. That happened all the time in the war. But God damn it, what these people went through to survive. Crazy. Oh, yeah. uh, it's amazing what you can survive. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, you hear these stories of like uh, endurance and and uh, suffering I'm, that people go through. And it's like, wow. I feel like I just saw a story about a guy who treaded open uh, Yeah, he fell off ocean. a cruise ship. This was over Thanksgiving weekend in the States, or not in the States, but like it was, I believe it was an American. Yeah. For like 24 hours. Yes. Insane. Oh my God. I couldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Oh, dude, I would cramp up so quick. I, I don't know what I'd do. (laughs) I'd die. Uh, Yeah, probably. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. Oh, he looked like he was in good shape. He must be. (laughs) You would be after that. Yeah, for sure. 24 hours treading water in a pool that would be exhausting dude think about it oh i won't even i don't even want to do it for 24 minutes all right mister i have for you um closing fact hey so this is a little bit of a chicken chicken or the egg kind of deal okay what came first the chicken or the egg I understand what a chicken and egg conundrum is. Literally, probably everybody does. All right. I just want to make sure. The color orange is named after the appearance of the ripe orange fruit. Before this word was introduced to the English-speaking world, the color orange was referred to as, I'm going to mess this up a little bit, Gilured, so G-E-O-L-U-H-R-E-A-D. 
which means yellowish red. <laughs> okay. Because so I've often wondered what came first, the word orange or the orange fruit. Which and now is, you know. Is the fruit named after the color or the color named after the fruit? Turns out, according to this, fruit is named or the color is named after the fruit. So well, well, well. Basically, I could die a happy man now. It's like a secret of the universe that's always plagued me, and now I have an answer. It's named after the fruit. Yes. Okay. Right? Do you ever yeah. think? You ever stop and Actually, think about that? That fills me with an incredible sense of peace. <laughs> right? <laughs> Isn't it like you're just like. Yeah, okay, I know that now, and I can go on living the rest of my life feeling somewhat accomplished and satisfied. That's one mystery solved. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Fact Smacks. We hope you enjoyed our show. If you want to hear more, be sure to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash facts Or you can check us out on Facebook or on YouTube or on Twitter.com. At Fact Schmacked Pod. We also have a website, factschmacks.xyz, because we know you haven't had enough yet. Sure. <laughs>